Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I wanted to say before I get into it today, thank you for whoever sent me this hat. For those listening, it says, I identify as vaccinated. And uh, I have only gotten one weird look so far that I can remember. I haven't worn it a lot, so we'll see what happens. But uh, it is being used, so I appreciate whoever sent that to me. Uh, hard to know where to start. Um, let's do this. I'm going to start with the website today. I'm going to show you some things. Um, for those who haven't been there, this is my website, worldviewconversation.com is where you can find it. Uh, I was going to try to get the um, domain name for johnharris.com, and I looked it up. It's a bodybuilder named John Harris, and I was like, huh. So I sent it to my wife, and I'm like, hey, did you see my new website? And uh, you know, she thought that was kind of funny, but um, <laughs> it's not, not me, uh, definitely not me. But uh, the worldviewconversation.com website is where you can find me. And all the social media links are there for those who haven't seen this. At the bottom, you can uh, see you know, where, where I am uh, on social media. You can, uh, if you want to support, uh, there's a support tab. Um, I'm going to show you a few of these other tabs, though. If you want to get books, that's the first tab, books. And here's the two I've written on the social justice movement. You can also uh, go and get A.D. Robles' Social Justice Pharisees. I still have a few hundred copies of that. I wanted to just say uh, thank you to everyone who has bought the book, whether on Amazon or through myself directly, and especially for those who have reviewed it online, whether that's Goodreads or Amazon, uh, it really helps. And you know, I know um, sometimes people are wondering, what can I do? How can I help? How can I really put a dent in what's happening? Well, this is one of the things you can do. If you read the book, you can go and you can rate it on various platforms. Go to Goodreads, go to Amazon. Um, I don't know if it's available on Barnes & Noble that yet. Uh, uh, com yet. Uh, you can probably rate it on Google, but wherever you bought it, especially, uh, rate it there. Even if you bought it through me, you can still go on Amazon and you can leave a rating. And uh, and so I'd appreciate that. That that actually helps uh, quite a bit. Do a review of it. Uh, do 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 a video of it or something on your social media um, post that you really enjoyed it. That kind of thing. It it, it does help get get it out there. And then um, I wanted to show you this. This is the reason I came here more than anything else. Uh, I am going to be on the road, and these are there's a few pending things, but these are the confirmed dates for October through December 2021. I still have some people I'm going to contact for next year. There's some dates for next year, and I know some of you have uh, have applied to have me come. And I am uh, there's a I think maybe two or three that I still need to call, but those are all for next year. So for this year, what we have so far. Uh, is uh, Thursday, October 21st. I'll be in DeForest, Wisconsin at the DeForest Evangelical Free Church. You can contact them, 6.30 p.m. That's next week. Uh, anyone who's in the DeForest, Wisconsin area would love to see you. Uh, then October 23rd, Syracuse Baptist Church in Syracuse, Indiana for the Jesus and Politics Conference. You can contact Syracuse Baptist Church for more info. Uh, Wednesday, October 27th, I'm going to be at OCPAC. Uh, and they meet at the Central Oklahoma Home Builders Association. You can uh, go online, look up OCPAC, O-C-P-A-C. And this is more of a political venue, but again, talking about the book, talking about social justice, would love to meet you. And then I'll be at City Elders the next day uh, at 8 a.m. Um, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you can go to cityelders.com to check that out. I will be in um, Grant, uh, New um, Nebraska, sorry. <laughs> For, for a second, I was like, wait a minute, what what, what state is that again? It's Nebraska, and is Nebraska. Um, I'm like, Emmy, that would be Maine. Uh, that's not North Dakota, that's NDs. No, no, Emmy is Nebraska. So I'll be there, and um, you know, I'm, I think I'm flying in to Denver to get there. That's like the closest airport, so this is out kind of 
in the country is my understanding. But if you're anywhere near there, Grant, Nebraska, Christianity and Social Justice Conference, I'm going to be speaking there a lot on Saturday and Sunday of the weekend of November 6th and 7th. And then, of course, December 10th through 12th, I'll be at Providence Baptist Church, at least somewhere in there, uh, for um, they're having a conference as well. I'm not sure what the title is yet, but that's in New York City. So if you're anywhere near any of these locations, would love to uh, chat with you, would love to see you, and um, I'll certainly do a, a, an autograph signing of the book and put a little note in there for you. Uh, so there you go. And if there's anyone, by the way, in, in between some of these dates, like I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, um, okay, so I'll be in um, Indiana, right, on October 23rd. But then the next engagement that I'm speaking at is the 27th. I don't know if it's worth it for me to come all the way back to upstate New York. Then they drive all the way out to Oklahoma. I'm not flying for that one. So, you know, hey, if there's anyone between Indiana and Oklahoma and you want to have me come and talk or whatever, uh, let me know. You know, give uh, and, and how do you let me know? Well, you can go here at the top of the worldviewconversation.com website. There's a tab and um, you can go to Book John. It's at the uh, top right. Click on that. And uh, when it loads, it's going to take you to an event form. And that's how you get in touch with me. And that's how you, I, you can communicate with me to ask me to come. And I would love to come and help uh, really educate your church or whatever group it is on social justice, the threat it is to, to the gospel. I mean, look, I'll do political events, but you're not, I, I'm going to talk about the gospel. I'm going to preach it. So um, just be prepared for that. Uh, and um, yeah, so that's where you can find me. Uh, let's see. I want to show you one other thing. So there's a, a tab here, uh, churches. If you click on churches, it's going to take you to discerningchristians.com. And my understanding is, in fact, I haven't really tried this yet. I'll try it right now, uh, that you can actually apply. Let's see. I'll log in myself. Now I'm logged in. And uh, so you can go here. You can set your preferences to whatever you want uh, as far as denominational preferences, all that. And there's all kinds of things here. Well, I, my understanding is... Uh, there is, you can type in a pastoral candidate. There is a new position. So you can be a layman, deacon, pastor, pastoral candidate. If you put in pastoral candidate uh, and submit it, then uh, up here on the top right, there's candidates. Look at this. Check this out. There are all these pastoral candidates. If you are, look, this is amazing. If you're a member of discerningchristians.com, then you can go and see the pastoral candidates, people who want to pastor a church. If your church is looking for a pastor, you want someone who's not a social justice activist, but a actual biblical pastor, check this out. Go to discerningchristians.com. Uh, go to candidates. Click on one of them. Let's let's click on this one. Kyle Witt. Remember Kyle Witt? He's the one that did the whistleblowing video on NAM. Well, he's looking for a church. He can't do it with NAM. So how is he going to pastor? Well, you click on it. It'll take you to his profile. He hasn't uploaded a picture, but he does have an email. So why don't you email him? Email him. If you're a church, you're looking for a pastor, email the guy. Email any of these guys uh, and, and just ask him, hey, where are you at? There's, um, there's, there's a bunch of them up here already. And I didn't even realize this <laughs> until I looked here. Uh, so this is a tool. I haven't said anything about this yet. But without me even saying anything, uh, there's, there's a number of them uh, already up here. So uh, please check that out. Go um, to discerningchristians.com. It's easy to make a website, uh, to, to make a profile, and then uh, you'll have a map. And, the, and on this map, it's so helpful, guys. It's going to show you. This is, it's taking me to kind of where I am. It's going to show you, hey, there, here's someone in the area who's a member, and you can connect with them. Or here's a church over here that uh, agrees with the statement of faith at discerningchristians.com. Here's another church over here. Um, let's just, for uh, the sake of showing everyone how it works, 
let's say you live in, oh, I don't know, out in uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And you want to find a church there. Refresh search results. Oh, man, there's a bunch of churches. Zoom in. We got people. We got... Uh, um, we got some churches here. We got uh, the Heritage Baptist Church. We have Fairview Baptist Church. Uh, Tulsa's got a church, Christ Reformed Church. So this is what you do. And if you're in an area, you know of a good church, it's not up there, add it. You can do that. You can go here to the profile. And um, right here uh, where it says create an organization, create an organization, and you can put in everything. Now, um, you might need to manually enter the coordinates for it. That's possible. So if you put in Grace Bible Church, just uh, it's already on there, but so it'll come up with a number. Now, if yours doesn't come up there, then you're going to have to manual manually entry uh, enter it. So you click manual entry, and you're going to have to find out the latitude and longitude. You can do that. There's tools online. You can type in an address and find out the latitude, longitude. Put all that info, email, website, description, what your title is. You might just be a layman putting it on the map, uh, and that's it. Boom. Now, my understanding is, as well, if there's a church profile, let me just show you this real quick. Um, so if you go to uh, Grace Bible Church here, if you want to add a position, if you're looking for, um, you know, we need an associate pastor here or something, or we, we're, we're looking for, uh, my understanding is you can, let's see here. Okay, you can put an open position up here and, and, and show that your church is open. You associate pastor, we need, or like youth pastor, let's say. So type in youth pastor, if that's what your church is looking for, for the sake of argument, then go down here, it's open, and then submit. After you put in the description of the job and everything, and uh, people can see if they look up your church, hey, there's an open position there. This is the way, everyone, that we are going to um, get around some of the, uh, the things going on. Let's see if I can go back to, here we go. This is the way we're going to get around um, the institutions and some of the things that are actually going on um, at them. So uh, you don't have to just find the latest person who came out of a certain seminary. You can go and you can uh, yourself um, find, go around all that, find the, the, the cream of the crop, find the, the pastoral candidates that are already against the social justice movement. Look at the statement of faith. We tried to make it tight and as simple as possible. So there you go. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. Let's get into the topic for today, though, uh, and that is attorney-client privilege. And um, the reason I'm doing this is because I, I got an email last night from someone who um, said, hey, you know, what, basically, it was a very nice email, but why don't you explain the reason behind attorney-client privilege? And I just thought, you know, I kind of took it for granted. I thought, well, everyone kind of understands that that's just about privacy. That's you know, you have that with your doctor in a, in a sense, but you have it with her, your lawyer, any, anyone who's an advocate for you, that they should be trustworthy. And I just kind of took that for granted. And I realized, well, most people don't really know why that is in place. So why don't we go over it? Why don't we talk about it? And, um, and at first, I, th I think I emailed the person back. I'm like, I'm not probably going to talk about this anymore because I'm done with the executive committee stuff for now. But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, this would be a good episode. Let's talk about attorney-client privilege. So that's what we're going to do. So the title is The Importance of Attorney-Client Privilege and Why What the SBC Executive Committee is Doing is Terrible. And so can you see I'm, I'm, I'm a little biased on this. I, I, I think what they did is awful by waiving attorney-client privilege and um, letting the Me Too movement basically just come in and go after anyone on the executive committee for anything they've said uh, and uh, to 
to, to attorneys in in closed door meetings and these kinds of things. Now, I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about the weaknesses of this a little bit, but let's just set the foundation first. The Me Too movement it has attacked a number of things legally. One, and I'll just give you a few of those. The um, the due process, innocent until proven guilty. They attack this. Uh, believe women, right? Just if they claim to have an abusive uh, abuse story, even if it's 20 years ago. Uh, the statute of limitations is gone. They need to testify in Congress, right? They, they should be believed. And we've seen this over and over where there's no evidence or little evidence or there's, um, it's disputed, but you're, you have to believe the victim. And if you don't, you're insensitive, you're unkind, you're mean. We saw the way this worked with the Paige Patterson situation. Uh, this is the way they operate. And, and sadly, the conservatives don't seem to know what to do. And I, I've noticed this too among especially older gen, gentlemen, really. It's gentlemen, especially older Southerners. They don't seem to want to defend themselves. They, they seem to want to, um, and it's not just Southerners, but I've just particularly noticed it there. Uh, they, they, want, they, they think that, that that shouldn't be something they have to do, that their, their good name should speak for itself. And, um, and they're just completely steamrolled by today's Me Too movement. Uh, and not just me, the Me Too movement, it's, it's accusations of racism and all kinds of other things. But um, we live in a different world now, and you kind of have to defend yourself a little bit. I'm, I kind of have learned that lesson a little bit the hard way myself. Uh, I, I thought, you know, oh, people aren't going to believe some of the things that are said about me sometimes. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> like, it's amazing how much people will believe and how fast rumors do spread. And how so you, you do sometimes you do have to step out there and correct the record a little bit. But the Me Too movement attacks this idea of innocent until proven guilty. Uh, the laws against adultery also. Uh, Russell Fuller talked about this. I thought that was a brilliant observation. Adultery, consensual adultery, um, is or fornication is now uh, it's abuse. You can re because if there's a power relationship difference, if if there's like a man and a woman, and the man's more muscular and more powerful, or has a position that's over the woman, you know, she's the secretary or something. Well, then it's it's. It's abuse. It's not adultery. Well, look, it could be both, or it could be just adultery, plain old adultery. Someone you fell to temptation, and now they're claiming it's abuse later, and everyone goes along and believes that because, well, there was a power differentiation. I mean, look, their boss asked them to do this, so I mean, you're not supposed to say no to your boss. Well, yes, you are. If it goes against the law of God and your conscience, you you can't say no. But the the assumption is that well, there's a power relationship, so. It, it's abuse, no matter even if it was consensual. And then, of course, equality uh, before the law is attacked by the Me Too movement, um, and that goes along sort of the same thing here. The power relationships: if you are um, a male, uh, you are not as equal as a female who's testifying against a male in court. There are certain classes of people that are to be believed over others. So you don't have equality before the law. You're supposed to favor certain social locations. Now. Let's get into the EC stuff because um, this is a different attack. This is an attack on attorney-client privilege. We read the um, Gunther, Jordan, and Price letter on October 11th to the trustees of the executive committee, um, most notably to Ronnie Floyd, basically saying, look, we, we're not going to accept this risk. Uh, this is wrong. So really, maybe two things there. This is this is wrong to waive the attorney-client privilege, and we, we can't accept this risk. So we're moving on. We've represented you for o almost six decades, and we're done. And this is terrible. This is awful that this would happen. Uh, very bad sign for the Southern Baptist Convention. I can't even emphasize how bad this is. Uh, they're, the, the big wigs are saying peace, peace when there is no peace. They're just they're, they're, I don't even know what to say other than there's a delusional thinking going on there. 
So what is attorney-client privilege? Why attorney-client privilege? What's the point? Isn't this a, a way to cover up things? Um, here's a uh, from an article by Jeffrey Hazard, uh, 1978 California Law Review. The attorney-client privilege may well be the pivotal element of the modern American lawyer's professional functions. It is considered indispensable to the lawyer's function as an advocate on the theory that the advocate can adequately prepare a case only if the client is free to disclose everything bad as well as good. The privilege is also considered necessary to the lawyer's function as a confidential counselor in law on the similar theory that the legal counselor can properly advise the client what to do only if the client is free to make full disclosure. So, in other words, uh, if you are a client, you need a lawyer, you need to be able to tell the lawyer everything. Things that might be embarrassing to you, things that might be incriminating or embarrassing to others who are not on trial. Um, things that are of a private nature that need to remain private. You need to be able to tell your uh, attorney all of these things so they, because you don't know the law, they know the law, and they are, they will be able to navigate uh, specifically how to make your defense and uh, what you're guilty for, what you're not guilty for, what the strongest argument is. And this ensures, this is supposed to ensure that justice is um, as much, we don't have a perfect world, right? But justice is carried out to the best, the best way we can. So you have two sides duking it out with the best argument to protect the person and also hopefully the best arguments against the person uh, by the prosecution. And, and so this, this is a trust relationship that you have with an attorney. You have similar relationships with your doctor. I'll show that in a second. And really one of the things, I, and I, I think this is what we, we can't miss, um, it is, uh, so the attorney is an extension of yourself. You're, you're the one who's being, you're the one being defended, right? And you don't know the law. You can't navigate it as well as your attorney. You're paying your attorney for a service. There's a relationship here of authority. And the authority is, the attorney's an authority on the law, but you're an authority over the attorney. He's working or she's working for you if you are the one on trial. So the, the whole idea behind this is there should be a trust relationship between you and the attorney because the attorney, in a sense, is acting on your behalf, is an extension of you is being paid by you you are actually the boss uh you you in, in a way you are the client but you are um you are the one that is in charge of your case um and the attorney is the one you're trusting to do the best job they possibly can for you and so this gets into business relationships so you could even look at the relationship in scripture often given between masters and slaves in a way and i'm not saying the attorney's a slave in every sense of the word and you know, you're a master in every sense of the word, but I'm saying that the, the principles that are at work there would apply here or in the parables of Jesus with uh, uh, business owners, landowners, hiring out um, laborers. Um, they, they have a certain level of authority. And so there's a certain level of authority that a client has with an attorney. And part of that is um, being able to gain the, the trust of the attorney uh, to, to have that secured so that you can make the best possible defense on your behalf without incriminating someone who's innocent, uh, without um, w without in bringing out embarrassing situations that don't need to be out there, uh, and, uh, and and without prejudicing the jury. Uh, if there's a jury involved or, or the judge, you don't want to um, bring out information that would prejudice them against you, uh, possibly, uh, if it's unnecessary. So that's the whole kind of reasoning behind this. 
Jay Wigmore, an attorney uh, on attorney-client privilege, he was a famous um, legal scholar. He said, the history of this privilege goes back to the reign of Elizabeth. So this is in England, where the privilege already appears as unquestioned. The policy of the privilege has been plainly grounded since the latter part of the 1700s. In order to promote freedom of consultation of legal advisors by clients, the apprehension of compelled disclosure by the legal advisors must be removed. And hence, the law must prohibit such disclosure except on the client's consent. Um, so the apprehension of compelled disclosure by the legal advisors must be removed. So in other words, if, if you're going to, you, you want to be honest. If you don't know how to navigate the law, if you don't know what it actually says, you, you don't know, you know, you, you're flying blind here. The lawyers need to be your eyes. So they need to know what they're up against. Is there a mountain ahead? What's, what's in their pl flight pl path so they can try to land this plane? And, uh, and, and so that's, you need to be able to tell them there's a mountain over here. Avoid that. <laughs> um, uh, meanwhile, you know, the, the prosecution's trying to shoot you down. So that's, that's the whole kind of reasoning behind this. Here's some examples. This is from California. That's why I put the Golden Gate Bridge there. Uh, California Code, subject to uh, Section 912, and uh, except as otherwise provided in this article, the client, whether or not a party, has a privilege to refuse or disclose and to prevent another from disclosing a confidential communication between client and lawyer. If the privilege is claimed by the holder of the privilege, a person who is authorized to claim the privilege by the holder of the privilege, or the person who was the lawyer at the time of the confidential communication. Uh, such person may not claim the privilege if there is no holder of the privilege. Okay, so this is a rehash of what we've already talked about, but this is language in a state code. This is showing you how, how this actually makes its way, how it applies in a legal situation. Um, it also says there is no privilege under this article if the services of the lawyer were sought to obtain uh, to enable or aid anyone to commit or plan to commit a crime or a fraud. Now, this is interesting. It also says there is no privilege under this article if the lawyer reasonably believes that the disclosure of any confidential communication relating to the representation of a client is necessary to prevent a criminal act that the lawyer reasonably believes is likely to result in the death of or a substantial bodily harm to an individual. What's the point of this, John? Well, the point of this is there are limitations to attorney-client privilege. In other words, there should be trust there. But if the, uh, the, the client gives information to the attorney that says, look, there's a crime that's going to be committed. Someone's going to get hurt. There's a fraud that's going to happen. A law is going to be broken. The attorney then need, is, is this doesn't protect the attorney anymore. Um, this, this is outside the scope of attorney-client privilege. They need to go report that, okay? So, so this is part of what people need to understand. There's already um, a precedent for uh, li limiting this to prevent further illegal activity and harm. Uh, same thing applies to physicians, by the way. This is California Code Article 6. There is no privilege under this article if the services of the physician were sought to obtain to enable or aid anyone to commit or plan to commit a crime or a tort or to escape detection, etc. So this is it's very similar. The relationship you have with your doctor, the relationship you have with your uh, attorney. Um, it is uh, they are advocates. So what are some biblical principles? Uh, that apply to this. Well, let me give you a few. Proverbs eleven thirteen: The one who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, but one who is trustworthy conceals a matter. So in the course of giving information to an attorney, you're going to tell them a lot of things. Some things that, you know, they may, they may not be popular. Things that may be of a private nature. Things that um, if they were known to the jury or to the public even, uh, it would create a bad name for, for you. And there, there's no reason to let them out, but they might be indirectly related to the case. 
the attorney needs to know about these things to, to know whether they are actually substantial or whether they're uh, they're important to the case or not. And so um, this is where this applies. If someone were to just go about and reveal things that are supposed to be kept secret, then they'd be a slanderer. They, they, it's a trustworthy person who conceals a matter. There is a time for concealing a matter. Yes, there's going to be a day when truth is shouted from the rooftops, when every hidden thing is exposed. That, today is not that day. So um, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, here's another one. In this case, moreover, it is required of steward, uh, stewards that one be found trustworthy. Now, this is not an application of to barristers, lawyers, attorneys. This is um, talking about those who are stewards of the gospel. Uh, Paul's talking about himself. Um, but there, what you see in this verse is just a general quality of trustworthiness is a desirable trait that we find throughout Scripture. There's one example of it. There's many. Uh, and then Exodus 23, 7. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent or the righteous, for I will not acquit the guilty. There are situations in which there are people not on trial who you could get in trouble or you could put into an embarrassing situations um, if things, certain things are revealed that should not be revealed. And so... Um, I, I think this would apply in this situation to an extent that you don't want to uh, you, you you don't want to kill an innocent person. You don't want to prejudice a jury. You don't want to prejudice a judge with information that's extraneous. Um, in the case in this situation with the SBC, that's exactly I think what's about to happen. Possibly it is they are putting themselves in a situation where they're under the microscope of the Me Too movement and the social justice advocates. And some of these communications that have taken place uh, from various executive committee members regarding um, alleged abuse cases, some of them legitimate, perhaps some of them not, who knows on uh, some of them. I don't I, I don't know. But just even the questions that have been asked and the situations um, uh, that uh, th that, you know, th these specific situations um, and, and everything that was said around them, these could be used. These could be mined for, we already saw this happen, actually. Russell Moore, uh, it wasn't him directly. It was someone under him, but they released, um, MP3, uh, recordings, just snip snippets. It wasn't the whole recordings of certain people. I think Mike Stone was one of them saying things that were construed in a very unfavorable way may have cost Mike Stone the election last June at the Southern Baptist convention. And these are the kinds of things that can, can, can happen when you waive attorney-client privilege, uh, when all of this stuff can be mined for, oh my goodness, Mike Stone asked this question. Isn't that so insensitive? He's not believing women, you know, because the standard is so off right now. It's just so unbiblical and so off, but it can hurt you personally uh, if, you, if people know these are the kinds of things you're asking, whether or not someone actually is guilty, is there evidence, that kind of thing. All right, um, Exodus 1, Joshua 2, etc. Um, in the case of unjust magistrates, so what do you do about the Hebrew midwives? What do you do about you know, uh, Rahab and hiding spies? These are the kinds of things when the civil magistrate is asking for information, let, let, pretend it was the, the situations were a little different and they had attorneys representing them. What are the attorneys supposed to do in these situations? Should they just reveal? Well, let me, let me just reveal everything that Rahab said, everything that the midwives said. No. Because they have, there's an unjust standard uh, that they are, um, that the, the pressure is to meet this unjust standard. And so uh, there are situations like this. And I think that's actually, in some ways, that's kind of what's going on now, at least with public opinion. There's an unjust standard that needs to be met. And um, so there, there, there may be uh, a, a reason to hide some of the things that some of these executive committee members have asked or said. 
And then in the case of competing authorities, um, when you have the government says, hey, this is wrong, and furthermore, the Bible says this is wrong, murder's wrong, you know, to make an example, uh, and then your, your client, who you're working for, if you're a lawyer, says, hide this. What do you do in that situation? Well, as I already explained, um, th this is not necessary. This is not an absolute thing. Attorney-client privilege is not absolute. It is a working relationship you're to have with someone. And uh, in the case of uh, obeying the law of God, you obey the law of God. In the case of preventing a crime, you prevent the crime. So you need to, as a lawyer and attorney, you need to realize there's different authorities that you are under and they're not just one. So this is not an absolute, attorney-client privilege is not absolute. People need to understand this. So this is, this is really what I wanted to bring you through today as far as attorney-client privilege is concerned and all that because I think um, many people don't understand what it actually is, uh, why it's um, important, why it needs to be uh, preserved really. And so, um, so, so I, I hopefully, hopefully that was helpful for you and just understanding a little bit more about it. This is crazy though, that they're waving this in the executive committee. This can, nothing good can really come from this. The Me Too movement wants to, to say attorney client privilege is, is this horrible thing. And they're just concealing evidence and incriminating evidence that, uh, to show how bad these people are. But like I said, there's a reason, there's reasons behind it. It's Chesterton's fence. Don't move a fence unless you ask the question first, what's the fence doing there? And there's a reason the fence is there. And uh, it, it, do you find it in the Bible? No, but you find biblical principles on which uh, this has developed and um, on which this rests. So this is not something that has uh, come about in the last 30 years. This, is, this has been the case for a long time in British common law. It's still the case, and it really needs to still be the case. Uh, you need to be able to trust the person that you have representing you. So that is the Conversations That Matter podcast for today. Please go to the website, worldviewconversation.com. Check out where I'm speaking. And if you want to book me uh, to speak at your church or your organization, I would love to come and help out. Um, people ask me sometimes, well, how much, what's your fee? I don't really have a fee. I just uh, take an offering maybe, or, or may I'll give you my gas bill. I mean, um, it's really, I, my goal is not to make money off this. My goal, uh, believe me, I, part of me does not want to go traveling all around the country, especially after I move. But here's the thing. I, um, I really believe that people need to be able to stand up against this. And if there's anything I can do to help, I want to help. And so I am looking forward to meeting all of you on the road. I don't mean that I'm you know, not looking forward to it. It's more just, I've been moving full steam all over the place, but it's necessary. People need to know. And uh, I am looking forward to meeting many of you on the road. I think it's going to be a great time. And, uh, and next year as well, I have some dates uh, where I'm going to be just speaking at various places. So uh, let me know if you're interested in that. And please go to the Discerning Christians website. If you're, if you're looking for a church, create a profile and go to the, the, the candidates. Um, that, that, and I showed you earlier um, how you can do that. And, and maybe reach out to these guys. Hey, hey, you looking for a church? We, we have one. Hey, we have 40 people in this area that don't have a church, but we need a pastor. Can you come? Can you talk to us? It would just really, it, it, we're trying to um, help people communicate with one another and connect with one another. So God bless. Hopefully that was helpful for you. Bye now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.